We're rolling with Mr. Julian Flannery. My man. Future 247 heavyweight champ. What are we talking? What are we talking here, Julian? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, trying to figure that out now that I'm finally healthy coming back from that surgery yeah. and stuff from my last fight. So right now it's getting healthy, figuring yeah. out things. Like I talked to Isaac about as far as like moving in what direction. Right. And yeah, I'm not sure. Could be a title fight. Could be a pro debut. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, I know the role of Pennsylvania. Right. I've been it's crazy. Maybe to talk to Serb or something about that. But regardless, I mean, the recovery from my injury is four to six months. I'm just at like the five month mark. Mm-hmm. So it's like I've been training the past month and I can tell I've been progressively getting more into it. Nice. Week by week. So here in the next like month, I'd say I'm going to have to really put some thought into what the next step is for me. That's sick, man. So for people listening, uh, I, w- I was kidding with that future 247 heavy. Like I, I said it kind of seriously. Oh, no, so I, I didn't lo- want people I, I to love, think I like, love a belt, man. I yeah, love a belt. I didn't want people to think like, oh, they got a title fight for Julian Book. No, like he is. He's still recovering. Tore your bicep in that nine second win against Sheldon Nyoff at Flood City Fight Night 2. That like... <sighs> It put a damper on the evening for us because it was like this, you know, awesome win. But meanwhile, your biceps like hanging off your like it was very obvious that you tore your bicep. I should have put a shirt on post fight interview. It I was, usually do. I yeah. kind of mind blinked on that and <laughs> yeah, I yeah. look at it and I'm like, yeah, it's just uh, it's like rough. <laughs> well, he got hurt and won't be back for a while. Yeah, because full. I mean, I, we probably talked about it with you. We talk about it with it ourselves all the time, like. You versus Dan Albright was the fight for the belt. Like yeah. he had been the Matt Factory killer, and now you're like the Matt Factory final boss. You know what I mean? Like, Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the way it's going, I was like, dude, that's the fight. And then your biceps hanging off the bone, and we're like, oh shit, like that's yeah. not happening. Especially after that nine second, if I came out of there clean, it was gonna be a quick turnaround. Made perfect sense. He'd just beat Pippins earlier on that card. Like, yeah. yeah, it was perfect. But that's MMA, dude. Things don't always work out. But the good news is. You're feeling better now. Like you're looking forward to getting back after it. I think you mentioned maybe grappling even. This is Yeah, yeah I definitely want to uh try to get some grappling events in, get some maybe boxing. It just depends. Like get like a variety of stuff. I actually wanted to get on a kickboxing match, but the timetable didn't work out with stout like for me as far as coming back from injury. Oh, nice. But yeah, I definitely want to do some things with an injury that because most people don't know or the ones that do know. I've played multiple sports since I was four years old, and I've only had two injuries in my life, and both of them have happened in the past two years. That's crazy. So with this one being the most severe one I've ever had, yeah. and it's not like it was like a knee or something right. crazy, but it's like, nah, I definitely want to recuperate, and get like I've been strength and conditioning, yeah, and training, no right, doubt, and just taking it. You know I mean, it's I mean? still pretty serious. Did you need surgery? Did you get surgery? Oh, yeah. Right away, right? Like pretty? Uh, yeah, about like two, two and a half weeks after it happened. The closer to you get the surgery done, they you have to get it between that two to three week uh, time frame, I guess. So there's heal, like right? long lasting wow. effects that can be bad. That's yeah. scary, man. But like, shout out to everybody you have around you. Like, I'm sure Isaac made sure you were seeing the best oh, people. I saw and, some. I saw yeah. some good people for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a that's a huge blessing. All you guys at the Matt Factory have having somebody like that in your corner. You know, obviously we can. Look at his. We we made two of those Hall of Fame plaques so that we could. Keep I saw going. that when I came in. I, I didn't. You know thought we stole was, it from Isaac? I didn't know. I was like, he gave it to him and took it back because it was very nice. So. We like, nah, dude, that was all for show. We're keeping this. Like this is our. No, we made we made two of them because we want to. When we induct everybody, we eventually want to like have them displayed here at the studio. That'll you know? be nice. Yeah, That'll have a little cool. two four seven Hall of Fame in studio. It's pretty cool. Yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, a guy like that in your corner, dude, just what does Isaac do for you? I'm not even talking as an athlete, just as a person. What's he what's he like? I mean, there's a lot and there's a lot of little things that you can't necessarily pinpoint. But I mean, for me, he's helped me with so much as far as like when I was graduating from Clarion University and I was still I was living up in that area and coming down to the mat factory, still training, training hard and stuff like that. And Isaac owns apartments and he actually like hooked me up. So like I'm like, you know, I'm at the gym, hooked me up with housing near the mat factory so I can, you know, don't have to drive out awesome. from Clarion to the mat factory to train so I can, I'm closer, hooked me up with my current job. I mean, he does that with more people than I can name or count. So it's like outside of fighting. I mean, even with like, I mean, and he's a chiropractor too. So he helps with with the body, you know what I mean? After he destroys it at practice. (laughs) But I mean, just a lot of things, mental tips, advice and stuff like that. I mean, the list goes on and on, honestly. Dude, there's a like, that's one of the best one-two combo of businesses I've ever seen in my life. The mat factory's right here and rehab center's attached in the same building. Like, <laughs> go get your body messed up and then go next door to get it adjusted. Right, it's so right, far. There's yeah. a place near where I live now. I guess it, the address is probably McKeesport. And I think the place is even shut down. But the only building I've ever seen do something better than that was a diabetes clinic attached to an ice cream shop. That's just wrong. It's called like walk right or so. It's like for diabetic feet. You know, like I guess feet are a big thing when you get diabetes. Anyway, I'm like, it's ice cream and diabetes. Like what a perfect one too. (laughs) Temptation's bad right there. It's right in your face as you're trying to do better for yourself. How mean is that? I saw that. I was was just dying. But yeah, dude, Isaac's a sensational human being to say the least. You know, we inducted him obviously into our Hall of Fame and just working with him, working with all you guys. That's one thing that like when there's a Matt Factory guy on our card, we know the paperwork's getting done. We know they're making weight. We know they're going to be ready to go. Like, there's never a worry with the Matt Factory guys. So, what's it like being in that room on a daily basis with everybody? The, the talent at that place is absurd across all weight classes. Well, if you've been to the gym, you know it's not the biggest gym. Right. So you're all in there, and it's just it's a grinder. I mean, you're just starting with a Russian warm up. You're getting a very intense warm up. Then you're going into hand fighting and drilling, which it's not very, I've trained at many gyms in the area where they start with a more relaxed, like warm up, and then they get into some stretches and some technique. It's like our techniques, like in the middle of practice (laughs) and you get like an intense warm up, hand fighting, good build up, And then you're getting into some drilling and with everyone there, I mean, we obviously go by weight classes, size and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And with it being so stacked, I mean, there's no, you can come in there at any weight and you're going to get good work, whether you're just a grappler or you're an MMA fighter, whatever it is. And he does a real good job of coordinating things like having people spaced out, learning different techniques, learning what they need to learn. It's not always a practice where everyone's doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. There will often be certain people working, drilling takedowns, some people working on defending takedowns, working on just like setting up shots. Some people do kickboxing, some, so he really sets it up so, you know, we're working on both our strengths and our weaknesses, but there's a lot going on, and, you know, that's why we have Isaac, we have Dems, Matt, we have a lot of higher-level guys yeah. in there who can help us out and, like, manage all the... Because there are a lot of good guys in there, and you don't ever want to have, like, a good guy come from another gym and him kind of be on the sidelines. Right, so right. He does a good job of keeping everyone involved and really making it so... We have so many good people that come to the gym, so we got we to gotta all go against each other. Like, you got to make them, like, 
this is a good 155 or from this gym. Mm-hmm. This is a good one from another gym. Neither of them from our gym, but like, you know, they're there to get that work. I mean, Gotta we've even it. had fighters who have fought for 247 training there like yeah. a little bit before heading up and he just separated them and they both got work in. So it's like, it's so crazy. I, dude. I would imagine it's hard for him with so right. many good guys in a smaller area, but he does a fantastic job of it. He does as good as you possibly could, man. I mean, I know just from, you know, I've been GM for like a year and a month, a year and two months, something like that. Just my short period of time managing, dealing with fighters is not easy. Like it's a very difficult, you're just, you're very intensely driven people. Your schedules are crazy. Like getting you, I was actually surprised it was easy to get you in the podcast studio. (laughs) I was like, dude, man, getting Julian might be a stretch, but it worked out. Thankfully the schedule's lined, but a lot of times it doesn't. So for Isaac to manage like, schedules their personal lives their professional lives like you said job housing all these little things that he does for people but then on top of that you said something that i think is super important is knowing what each person needs and letting them work on things that they specifically need to work on just remembering what each person is good at and what they need with that many people dude and then the kids like he's super involved with kids wrestling and everything like that i don't i don't know how he does it i tell him that all the time when i see him like Brett, like you do more. A bit, very busy. It doesn't man. make sense. The busiest man, like yeah, it's amazing. But obviously, his roster. You can't. When you look at the map factor, you see we're stacked up. Yeah, you <laughs> see where all that effort's going and why, and it makes perfect sense. I mean, you go in that room. It could be you. It could be Cody Gamble. It could be Pippen. Like for heavyweights, they're hard to find in our area. Like there are like six. And half of them are at the Matt factory. And here's, an, here's another thing, too, is yeah. that we have guys like Isaac Reed, who's a redshirt junior, who is ranked 12th in the country right now, beat the number ninth ranked guy. Jeez. And it's like, I'm working with that as like, he's one of the best heavyweight yeah. wrestlers in the country. That's insane. And I'm working with him. And then we have DJ Sims, who teaches and helps out as well, especially with me, especially with me, because me and him are good friends. Oh, nice. And he's a Division Two All-American, and his like IQ of wrestling is Insane. extremely high. Yeah. So it's like even adding those two guys who aren't, you know, known in the MMA world, but as far as like big guys grappling and like the knowledge they can give me. So I huge. mean, like you said, then I have Cody and JP who do MMA that I work with mm-hmm. as well, like as partners. And I mean, yeah, I, there's it, you know, and then of course advantage. you have yeah. MC who fought <laughs> yeah, at, right. wrestled and fought at heavyweight. Yeah. Smaller now, you know, leaner, but he still gives us great advice for bigger guys because it is a different way of fighting for a heavyweight versus a 55 or that's just exactly, you know, it's, it's different. So it's good to have skillful big guys to come in here and be like, this lock might not work against someone with strong hips at the heavyweight level. So you might want to change it to this grip. And just those small details can go so far when you have like those high level guys in there that can show you those little adjustments that might make a little bit more sense for me than someone who's lighter. Right. And I think one of the biggest testaments to that had recently, at least correct me if I'm wrong, Bobby Murda. Like when he came in and he had, from my understanding, he had like no grappling when he came in. No. And now he's like winning jujitsu tournament. Like when he took that fight to win super fight and won it. Wrestled him. Dude. Really? And that was, and that was really, I was excited for him to do that. Yeah. I really tried to push him to do that event. He was uncertain. I told him about how good of a like promotion fight to win is the exposure and flow grappling. Are, yeah. And I was like, that's like, it's a big stage in the grappling world. I was like, you right. should definitely take that opportunity. And he did. And now it's like, you look, you Google name me for dolls and Isn't you're like, cool? yeah, 
you see, you know, kickboxing, you see the undefeated MMA record, but now you're going to see a, a grappling video posted from Flow Grappling. It's yeah. attacking a front headlock yes. for so many minutes, and you're like, oh, I got to deal with that too. Yeah, that's what you call, um, he's commitment to the grind 100%. Yeah. He's yep. there day in and day out, and it's it's admirable because he really, he's dedicated. Yeah, yeah. And it shows, like you said, in his grappling, like from when he came, he had an understanding of grappling. Like it's sure. not like he was he was novice, but it's not like he didn't understand mm-hmm. it. And then now he's turning it up to where like there's a lot of kids going D one and a lot of D one wrestlers in our gym and a lot of D two All Americans. And if he's not beating them, he's giving them problems. That's so crazy. It's like, and that's like you know that's gym stuff. That's yeah. nothing that like oh, no yeah, one's yeah, seen yeah, it right. on the internet. Right. But like yeah, that boy can grapple. You guys know I, yeah. I texted him right away <laughs> after he won that super fight. And I'm like, bro. I need you to lose some of these things once in a while. Like you are going to be impossible to match, match. dude. With his striking background already, his striking's phenomenal. Everybody knows about that. But you go out and start winning at fight to win and stuff like that. I'm like, nobody's gonna want to. That's fight difficult you, dude. too, man. I, I got yeah. heel hooked on fight to win three times. So uh, it's, not, <laughs> it's not easy to get a W on fight to win. So dude, the leg lock, the leg lock game is a whole different animal. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. Still, I understand. I'm like, not a fan. But yeah, I don't like a lot it, bro. Of skill to do it. I so get it. It is what it is. That, but I'm exactly. If you're gonna sit you down yeah. on the ground and attack my legs, then you know, takes a little bit of fun out of the wrestling, dude. You know, and right. Out of the whole, right. Yeah. Right. See, I think a guy like Gordon Ryan, like he just went 80. Well, he's perfected it. Exactly. But I feel like he went away from it for a long time, just like he got bored with it. I don't know that that's true at all, but just in my observation, he was like, because when he heel hooked Nicky Rod at ADCC, it just felt like he could have been doing that to everybody all along. And he probably could have. But when you get that good at it and you're Gordon Ryan, I feel like he was like, Sure, I could just heel hook this guy, but I'm gonna play around first. He does the things for like who who's number one in yeah. all his grappling events, where like he'll put a submission that he's gonna do. <sighs> Dude, how like before. sick is that? So that like you said, sense. like yeah, I think it's just more so so he can sell those DVDs of weird <laughs> right. naked chokes and stuff. He's like, I could do tap this guy out with a leg lock in yeah. thirty to sixty seconds. But yeah. if I take the back or if I get a reversal and finish with a Kamora or Americana or something like that. It shows diversity to exactly. His game. Which at this point nobody can deny he's the best in the world right now and ever. probably the best ever. Yeah. yeah. So he's on a ridiculous track, man. I wanted to ask you though because we've talked a lot. Obviously, we've since I started with two four seven, we kept in touch pretty regularly. But I don't know how you got into fighting. I just realized the other day I'm like, how, did did you wrestle? In, I know you played football in college. No. No, I am um, growing up. Wait, you didn't play football in college? No, I did play football. Oh, okay. I, I, like, I never wrestled. I, was like, Holy I shit. never wrestled. Got I don't have any yeah, okay. martial arts experience prior to well, when I was younger, I did Taekwondo for a year. Nah, okay. Yeah, that out. doesn't really count. Yeah, and then um <laughs> I guess you could say I've always admired like MMA. I've always been a Mike Tyson fan since a kid. Because I grew up in Las oh, Vegas. Sick. Okay. So it's like that influence of nice. him there. Like I've Big always boxing. been a fan yeah, sure, of Mike sure. Tyson and boxing and stuff yeah. like that. As I got through high school, I dibble-dabbled with it. Like, you know, a friend just messing around, nothing. Serious, not a structured gym. But once I got to college and I was doing football, I was like, in the off-season, I wanted something to push myself. And I've always liked doing it. Mm. And in high school, my friend who was a really good wrestler wanted me to do the wrestling team. I went to some wrestling practices at my high school. But I played basketball since I was four years old, so I wasn't okay. not going to not play basketball. Right, right. So it was very hard for me. But once I got to college and, you know, it was just football, when it wasn't football season, you know, strength and conditioning training, I was like, 
I'm going to do some mixed martial arts. So I got hmm. into it at Stout and then Stout and Clarion MMA because I was up at Clarion. Okay. And then went from there. It really just started because I was like, I've, I had a lot of friends first, like Mike Brown tell me I would be good at it. Okay. He was like, you're strong, you're athletic, mentally tough, you know, mm-hmm. you like fighting, you watch it so much. Maybe you should just get into it, even if it just helps you with pass rushing off sure. the line of scrimmage on the, on the defensive line. Just something as simple as that. And I just fell in love with it. I mean, I've always liked it, but I never did it. Once I started, I was I like, yeah, you. this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Nice. So you, you were a D lineman? Yeah. Nice. I yeah. could see that for sure. I always heard like offensive linemen are a lot of times super stud wrestlers. Like wasn't Stephen Neal like one of the best American wrestlers? I think he he was an offensive lineman for the Patriots. I think he beat Brock Lesnar. Like, I'm not twice familiar with that, but I do know who you're talking yeah. about. There, I mean, for offensive line, yeah. defensive line, just wrestling, line scrimmage in general, wrestling helps so much. The hand fighting, the mm-hmm. low uh, posture and stuff like that, uh, head up, just everything yep. that you have to do. Hand fighting at the line of scrimmage, it translates very well sure. with wrestling. Now, obviously, in your MMA career, you've uh, fallen in love with knocking people out. <laughs> but I've always heard from just people, they're like, dude, Julian's grappling is better than his striking. Oh, uh, for sure. Do you think so, too? Uh, it is. Yeah. Not, like, like it, there's it not is. even a question yeah, well, about it. Um, the thing with my striking is... Maybe we shouldn't talk about this either. Speaking of impossible to match, <laughs> it's like, oh, just just take him down if you don't want to get knocked out. Oh, wait, no, no, no. I mean, if they want to get guillotined or if they want to get reversed and you want me on top of them ground and pound, I mean, that's their decision. But, I mean, I'm at the Mad Factory Wrestling Club. Um, grappling, for me, was always something I picked up on very quick because mm-hmm. with football, your form tackle was pretty much identical to a takedown besides head placement. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do a traditional football tackle, you're putting your head in the armpit, you'll get guillotine. Sure. You just change it, put your face, turn it, put it on the inside, and it's like it's there you go. So I was always explosive with my wrestling. Mm. Gravitated towards that, really worked on that in my jujitsu. And ever since then, I'm at the Mad Factory, and I'm doing jujitsu, doing wrestling, drilling that constantly. So... I compete in it not as much as I'd like because with matchmaking for MMA, it's been a little bit here. This two months sure. kind of falls apart. Then in two months, yep, yep. and I don't want to be the guy to grapple right before or get hurt of course. and mess up an MMA opportunity because that's ultimately the dream yep. is to make it an MMA, like get to the higher levels. But yes, my grappling's better than my striking. That's what I, uh, that's, I, that's my, it's my bread and butter. Yeah. I'm, I was waiting to use it. I just, I'm going to throw punches until someone's tough enough or technical enough to like stop it, get out of the way. And then I'm shooting for a takedown. And then you got to deal yeah. with a whole nother beast that's not even on camera. But mm. there are people who know, like, <laughs> that come to the training room or just watch me in general. Yeah. I mean, there's not, I don't think there's really any big guys in the area that are, that can hold me. Like, I've wrestled with the top big guys. And like I say, like, me and Isaac Reed get great scraps. Me and DJ, me and, like, you know what I mean? Me and Cody and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm with good people who can wrestle. And it's not like there's anyone who with a high wrestling pedigree who's out wrestled me. Right. It may be a stalemate, but that's at best right there. So it's that's crazy. Like, that's terrifying. When it comes to that, it's like if someone wants to try to use their jujitsu on me, they're gonna have to go through the wrestling. I'm blanking that right there. And then once we get to the jujitsu, that's my fun stuff. I'll tag some submissions and stuff. Nice. Do you have a Dempsey style of of jujitsu? I feel like I could see you kind of being like him, constantly attacking headlocks and neck cranks and things like that. Mm, a little bit because of so much of his influence, <laughs> yeah, right. but I attack more uh, limbs, more simple things. Kamora's okay. Americana. I'm a very 
heavy on positional grappling. Got it. Got Very it. heavy. So it's like if I'm getting to a position, like I'm not the guy that's gonna throw up a triangle, go for an arm bar sure. or a sure. plata. I don't like being on my back at all when I grapple. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm comfortable there. I mean, I'm a purple belt, you know, I've been doing it for six years now. So I know my stuff from the back. But as far as my style with jujitsu, I'll, I'll tack ahead when I can just because, I mean, Dempsey showed me about 80 different which ways I and how I can grab and choke a neck. But I like the Kimura Americana. I'm pretty basic with my submission attacks. But for MMA, I'm positionally dominant. So nice. it's like I'm a better take someone down and hold them there that's sick i feel like dempsey's mounted guillotine is is, is kind of legendary in the area like everybody just knows everyone just references the... that to him in right. the area, and it makes sense because like he's done it to everyone's instructor it, it is kind of, <laughs> exactly it's like his move honestly yeah. everybody's got their thing like that's his thing and it just works yeah for sure it's ridiculous man but that that whole stable of guys you got there i love it and as you work back like you want to get into grappling tournaments first, like see how the biceps feeling boxing, maybe even where, like, what do you see as your progression right now? Um, my progression right now is just like when you asked about, like, if I had an experience, like say wrestling collegiate or high school, I don't. So when I listen to things, it's like a high school wrestler can have a hundred plus matches mm-hmm. before they're, before they graduate. You know what I mean? That's a hundred plus combative competitions you know yeah right so it's like i want to kind of catch my way up with experience and i know i can never get up to a pedigree of someone who's started at a young age with any discipline but it's like if i can get a bunch of grappling matches in shore myself up on grappling free myself up of any holes translate that to mma and then like the same with boxing you know what i mean i just want to make sure that one my arm is good mm-hmm. that's a big thing because i've never had like an injury like this right so I want to make sure I can build my body back up correctly to where, not just to where I'm healthy, but to where I'm like full, full tilt to where I'm good to go. Especially if I'm making that transition into a professional career as well. I mean, even then you'd want to build yourself up for that jump. So it's like two things. It's like the jump in competition, possibly uh, testing out the arm. Mm-hmm. And then it's also when you don't do stuff for so long, you want to get back that momentum going. Sure. I sure. win a couple of jujitsu tournaments. I might just go in and just take the guy down in a couple seconds. You know what I mean? So I just want to get no, that. No, you won't. Don't even pretend. Come on. Come Don't on. even pretend, I might dude. Do. You're not going to do that. I might have hit him with someone with an ankle pick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. You never know because it, it's, it's a progression of the game. And I want to be my, – my goal is to be as well-rounded as possible. Yeah. Like if I could be a B plus A minus across the board – that's like ideal. I don't want to be a specialist per se. Not that they don't do well in their own right, but I don't want anyone out there. I don't care who it is as a wrestler out there on the face of the planet just to be able to take me down and hold me down. I don't want any striker to just play with me. Right. So as right. long as I can, I'm not, I'm not trying to go over to glory or be an Olympic wrestler, but I'm saying like as long as I can hold my sure. own and progress in the mixed martial arts world, I mean, you're going to better nullify a lot of things because most guys are going to have their pluses and minuses and if i'm about even across the board i can exploit a lot of guys in whatever areas they may lack right if they're a striker i can stand with them and not get killed until i can take them down if they're a grappler butcher them on the feet stop the takedown or if they take me down i'm gonna get right back up that's the one thing about wrestling it's like it's one thing to get taken down it's another to stay down right right and most physically exhausting thing to do in mixed martial arts is shoot for a takedown. Sure. If someone shoots for a takedown and then gets a takedown or doesn't, and the other guy's back on their feet, they're exhausted. Waste a lot of energy They already don't have there. that striking yep. 
level, you know what I mean? Gets worse and, and after every failed shot. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, if I'm well-rounded, I think that'd be perfect for myself personally. That's sick, man. I, I was talking to Michael McSorley here in the studio recently, boxing promoter locally, and we were talking about how some people just have natural knockout power. Clearly you have that, but when did you realize you had that? Do you remember the first time you ever knocked somebody out? <laughs> um, The first time I knocked someone out? I mean, I've been getting in fights since I was four or five years old. Well, that's what I'm in, saying. I assume. I grew up in yeah. inner city, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you kind of just, that's kind of the way of life. But first time knocking someone out, I might have been like eight years old or something what? like that. But what? as far as like, I mean, it's another <laughs> little kid, so, you know. But as far as like older, I mean, you know. You go that's back my to, headline. Go back to the college days, you that's know. That's my new I mean? headline. Julian Flannery knocks out little kids. Oh, go on. Go on. <laughs> I, you got to put in that I was a little kid, though, too. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, even in high school, though, which is another thing. In high school, I got into a lot of fights um, for whatever reason. And then it's like by the time that I knew that I was good enough to either play football or basketball at the collegiate level, my junior year, that's kind of what settled me down and like really made me like be on my P's and Q's. But I mean, I've always known that I've had it. That's why I've liked the idea of fighting and I've gravitated towards it. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, even in football, I've always been, like, an explosive high-pop person, hand-fighting, you know what I mean? Pushed that initial pop right. with the hands and stuff like that. So I've always known that I've had that power. It's just different knowing it and translating it over to fighting. Right, right. Because, I mean, it can be difficult to land the shot. It can be difficult to let your hands go and not be trigger-shy. And Like, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Nuts. But as far as having the power, I've always known I've had that. Yeah, yeah. Does that is that almost a trap? Like we always hear people at the UFC level talk about it. Uh, a wrestler finds out that he has knockout power in his hands and suddenly doesn't want to wrestle anymore. Is it almost a trap for you to be able to get dudes out of there that fast? Um, I would say yes and no. I would say yes because it's a falsehood that it's always going to happen. Right. And I can't let myself think that I'm going to be able to walk through everyone because there's a lot of tough guys out there in this country, the world, you know what I mean? So... There is the idea of that I maybe with the role that I've had, I could walk through people, but then no, because me, I try to be as objective with myself. I'm my own, I'm myself's biggest critic. No one's going to judge me or grade my performances or tell me I need to straighten my punch more or lower my stance more than myself. And that's just the honest truth. So I don't, I look at it as like, cool. I mean, the last one I got hurt, but usually I want them to be quick so I don't get hurt or <laughs> right. take a lot of damage. I want to go to Sunday practice the next day. I know mm-hmm. that sounds crazy, but you that, know, that I, is I, a little I, crazy. I, I genuinely like to train mixed martial yeah, arts. Yeah. So it, I mean, I look at it as thank God I've been, <laughs> you know what I mean? Thank God I've been knocking everyone out, but it's like, I don't, I'm not going to fall into that trap for sure. other people. hundred percent. There are so many wrestlers who do fall into that. And then it's kind of weird that they don't use a wrestling when maybe they could. Right. With me, um, last two fights, if either of them would have stopped that initial flurry, I mean, you saw how close I was to him. Why mm-hmm. wouldn't I have just jumped to a single leg, tripped that outside leg, cleared the leg, got the side control, and then in that last fight, get a TKO from there, or two fights ago when it wasn't advanced ammy rolls, I mean, just attack a Kimura or a, right. sub- or a front Dempsey headlock. So there it's like, there's things that I know I can do from there, because one of my specialties is wall work. And that's because one of the benefits to having a small gym is that you're always going to be on the wall. That's kind of funny. Especially as a heavyweight, I'm going to have, you know, Isaac Reed, DJ, Cody, JP pushing me. Pushing you around, yeah. Pushing them into the wall. 
So I work well on taking people down off the wall and I work very well with my back on the wall because I'm flexible. So someone can pick my leg up onto their shoulder you know, I can do a split. So it's like, I'm not really worried about someone getting a single leg. It's going to have to be a deep double leg to get me down. That's sick, man. When you were defensive lineman, what, like, what was your playing weight then? About 265. Oh, okay. Because yeah. that's what was interesting was, I didn't even know this. Like, this was before, I guess, you had a fight with 247 scheduled at, like, 185 or 205? I, I did have a fight at 185. Okay, that's what I thought. I've actually never walked around under 200 pounds since eighth grade. That's crazy. So but I did have a fight at 185. That it was a day of uh, okay. weigh-ins, too, okay. which is crazy. And I woke up at 202. I should and thought I was lighter, and I made it to 186 within about six hours. Dude, what? What? You when, lost... you, when you lift for you know 13 years, you know what I mean? You have that dense Dang, muscle. You can man. wring water out Just, of it. Yeah. I feel bad, though, for my friends and family that were with me after the cut because we went to Subway after. <laughs> <laughs> and they wanted to talk to me about the fight. I'm like, if you don't get out of my way, let me order yeah, this hoagie. Yeah. You know, so, but Dang, that was man. the initial reason why I tried it at 185. And that was when like I didn't count my macros. I didn't eat a sweet or anything for you know, four or five months. Right. And that was me just getting down to 202 pounds on that. So it was kind of like, I didn't, I, that wasn't just realistic. And then okay. as I got heavier and a little bit more comfortable, 205 was like, okay, 205 or heavyweight, I was going to be a tweener. And it's like, as I just naturally just like lift and eat. Mm-hmm. And even if I'm doing intensive cardio, it's like my body doesn't, my body hates being under the 240, 245 pound threshold. Like, if I'm underneath then, I really have to have a clean diet, and it really has to be cardio six-plus times really a week. Really interesting. Which, six-plus isn't a lot, but I do, you know, I get my lifts in. Sure. And, uh, but as far as training and stuff like that, like, I'm training however many times a week. It's just my body doesn't like to float that much mm-hmm. or float that down. And now I'm sitting where I want to be to cut to heavyweight. Nice. Yeah. How tall are you? 5'11". That's what I thought. Okay, yeah. 5'10", 5'11"-ish. So I just feel like the natural inclination is for people to see you and think you could be 205. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, there's some mid- there's some, uh, yeah. uh, well, there's some lightweights in our gym. Like You know what I mean? There's some people that are taller, taller than me. Taller, So yeah. it's like, yeah, usually people look at me and be like, well, you're, like you're muscular, but heavyweight? And I'm like, yeah, you know. Yeah. And weight then, classes can be a little bit rough for, you know, thicker boys. That is crazy. It's interesting, though. It's good that you know your body that well. Like, do you use a whoop strap or something like that as well? Yeah, there you go. On me right yeah. now, See, baby. I knew it. I knew it. When, yeah. when you were talking about how dialed in you were, I'm like, I guarantee you he's monitoring everything. I try to monitor everything. Yeah. Even when I, like, make mistakes in my diet or just, like, workouts and stuff like that, I try to keep note of that writing my notebook and stuff like that, my workouts, what I did, what I should have done. That's awesome. So I try to stay really analytical with my physical performances as well. Where's that come from? That desire to track those things? Um I've just I grew up that way. I think it was more of a self-teaching type thing. Like uh my mom as well, she really instructed me to be timely, you know, be really in tune with yourself and be able to be, I I don't want to use the word militant, but kind of be be very structured. Sure. Because you have to, you know, you have to be your own man in this world, have to have your accountability and discipline is what makes a lot of people's success or not. So even through middle school and high school, and I was making sure I did my 500 pushups a day so I can make it to the college level and make it to the NFL or so on and so forth. And then making sure I run so much a week or do the ladder drill so much. And then once I got to martial arts, 
making sure I'm training martial arts, you know, six plus times a week and then get my strength and conditioning in and eating healthy and proper recovery. I just think it all goes into the grind of just like an overall athlete. And I get a lot of that from myself because I like to, I, I'm a real structured person, scheduled. Like right. I like to know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? I like to have it written out. I like to better see scheduling things. And it just really helps me lock in and be disciplined and know that like if I stick to the schedule that I got, that I'll be where I want to be at the end of the day. I love that, man. It shows in your performances and obviously being with somebody like Isaac, who's very similar. I'm sure you guys feed off each other in that regard. You're, as an aside, I want to shout out to your mom. She's like one of the best fans ever. Like I love when she's at the fight. She's always like super happy to see us and to be there. I'll say she like never seems nervous when you're about to fight, which surprises me. Whoa. To me, to me. Whoa. She hides it well then. Does she get pretty worked Whoa. up? Oh my goodness. Does she get worked <laughs> up? <laughs> oh my goodness. If you if she hides it well, then I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love her. She's always been like the number one fan. Like we'd have six thousand people at a football game and I'd better hear her. Like, she's always nice, been a super nice. fan. Football, basketball, anything like that. That's killer. Deeply appreciate that. I love her so much for that. But if you don't see it, then thank God, because she's about as nervous as it can get. You know what I mean? Yeah. To her, that's her baby boy going in there and fist fighting another man. You know what I mean? So to her, it's like it's, it can be scary. Sure. And she understands it because when she was working out in Vegas and stuff like that, like she went to the Mike Tyson fights. Like she's mm. the one who really got me. She's the one who got me into Taekwondo for a brief stint. She's the one who got me to watch boxing like boxing. So she's always like like that type of stuff as well. But when it when it's me... Oh, she's scared to death. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yes, she, I mean, she, yeah. she definitely hides it well, man. I got to give her props on that. You mentioned like football games, basketball games. I want to skip to basketball just for a second because 5'11", 265 isn't a common basketball build, but it sounds like you were legit at basketball. What position did you play? I got some buckets. Um, It's it's funny. I was kind of the floater because, you know, me being a big guy, the coach is like, you're the four, you know, because sure. I mean? we had, I was the shortest person on our starting lineup. Right. So, like, you could say I was the point guard because, like, our point guard was 6'2", you know? So it's, like, I, I pretty much floated from the 2 to the 5 position and just, like, ran to where I needed to be. I was a high IQ player, slipped in between the zones, 2-3 nice. in the back corners, you know what I mean? Really, that's I just played my role. I set a lot of screens, picked and pop. I could shoot the ball well. I could handle the ball well, and I didn't have a lot of turnover. So I, I was more of a role, like a Draymond Green type of player. Nice. So it's, like, I knew my role, and I played it well. I played good defense. I was a captain and stuff like that. That's had sick. a couple twenty point nice. games, you know what I mean. Nice. So I, I was, I was decent. I was you, decent. You punched like Draymond Green too. Hey, he, <laughs> whoa, he punched it. <laughs> he, he dropped it, man. Yeah. yeah, that was that was clean. Like yeah. that was not somebody who hasn't punched somebody before. I'll tell that you that was aggressive for basketball though, because I've had I've been in some basketball yeah. fights. And usually, you know, like they're they, they're, they're just chippy and weird, but no, nobody gets hurt. Yeah, say exactly. Something. Maybe you throw a punch and misses, but that nah, was Draymond like, was like, dude, I'm decking you with. That was all. like a back alley mugging. Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. That <laughs> yeah. was bad, dude. That's amazing, though, man, that obviously you've just been a natural athlete your whole life. And I think fighting is a good place for somebody like that, right? Like when the collegiate dreams are over, you know, you're not in the NFL or the NBA and you want to keep being competitive. Like we just had Lucas Siebert in the studio. He was talking about the same thing. Like when wrestling was over collegiately, he wanted to, he still had competitive spirit. But knew he wasn't an Olympic wrestler, knew he wasn't, you know, going to keep wrestling. So what are you going to do? Like, you're going to fight. So that's a natural place for you guys to end up. And now we've got all these just 
super athletes come into mm-hmm. fighting for us it's awesome that's the next wave of yeah MMA right add on that athleticism to the crazy started with the single disciplines now you yep. have to know so many and then it's going to be at, incorporating more strength and conditioning into the sport getting those better athletes into the sport exactly and just getting the athletes in the sport better in general one thing that i think that i'm sure you find as well is these people who are lifelong athletes i see it um a lot of pittsburgh steelers will like box Partly to stay in shape, partly because, like you said, hands and everything are super important in football as well. But they pick up on ideas so much faster than the average person. Like when you teach them something athletic, a way to move their body, a way to slip, a way to do this, they just get it way faster than the average person. Do you find that you like pick up on concepts faster from being involved your whole life in athletics? I do. I, I think it starts a lot from if you're the average guy with that doesn't have an athletic background, it might be harder for you to understand the verbiage or understand the even the body language and just understand the little intricate things that some athletes might better pick up on. Because mm-hmm. a lot of kids are starting at wrestling, myself, and basketball and football and stuff like that at four years old. Right. So it's like I was learning how to, like I had a coach yelling at me to do, just how doing the simplest thing to dribble a basketball. A coach yelling at me just to tackle the person on with the ball when I'm on defense, you don't know mm-hmm. the difference in offense and defense. So I just think when you start it as a youth, when you start as a young kid, you have so many coaches, so many different ways of teaching, and you just have so many different things that you have learned to grow up on and like learn from just from being coached your whole life. If that's the route that someone goes as an athlete, mm-hmm. that once you jump into something like martial arts, that's completely different than anything, at least for me that I've done prior to martial arts, that I can pick up on better hand placement, how hard to grip, how, like, you know, foot placement, different things like that. And a lot of people, it's not that they don't know the things, it's but hand-eye coordination and feet-eye coordination are hard to get if you're someone who's not used to doing stuff like that. Right. So if you're not someone who grew up playing soccer to have that foot-eye coordination or baseball, basketball, football, hand-eye coordination, it's going to be harder for you to always grab the wrists in the right place Mm-hmm. If you're not used to, if you're not it's used a weird to weird way anything. to put it, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. I, that's kind of how I think of it. It's like it's gonna, it's it's muscle memory. It's a lot of different things that comes into being an athlete, not second guessing yourself, knowing how fast you are, knowing how strong you are too. A guy can come into the gym and not think of himself as a strong guy, and then later find out after he learns how to use his strength that he is indeed has natural strength. Right. So I think it's more of with newer people finding their bodies, knowing themselves. Because mm-hmm. when you do sports from a young age, you know your body pretty well. If you go through a growth spurt, a lot of weight, either gained or lost, and that can change things. But for the most part, you know what I mean? The nervous system really helps you as an athlete to learn new things. So like when mm-hmm. I learn how to do foot trips or clinch up against the wall I can think of it related to previous things I've done and then also know that I don't want to do too much pressure. I want to slip into the wall or I don't want to have too less pressure and they hip out and get to an advantageous position Mm -hmm. for themselves. So I think it has a lot to do with just knowing yourself as an athlete to obviously know themselves because you have to at the collegiate level. Like you have to know where your weight's at every day, how what your bench, your squat, your 510 shuttle is. Like you have coaches like literally like, you know, wanting you to get better day by day. Like if you run a four, five, six, they need you to get to a four, five, two by the end of the semester. So if you're at a four, the last time you ran two weeks ago and they timed it, it's a four, five, four, you know what I mean? They're like, all right, well, we need to like pick it up. So it's kind of like knowing your body Mm -hmm. really helps with athletes when they get into a different sport versus someone who 
is maybe new to it. Not saying they can't pick up on it. It's just going to take a little bit more time in the beginning. Sure. What I just got to ask now, what was your fastest 40 ever? My fastest 40 ever was at the Duquesne Combine around a 458. It was the only time dude, I ever sub 4.6. That's smoking, and I was dude. Two, and I was 262. That was is boy. smoking. Yeah. Dude, you're terrified. Yeah, there we go. Dude, Julian Flannery. I definitely cannot run that fast now. But. No, but it's a, that's terrifying to even think of you running a 4.58. So, yeah, I mean, you're just a natural athlete, dude. That's what it comes down to. You're just one of those guys, super explosive, super athletic, like they say. But I want to point out, if anybody recognizes his voice from the last pay-per-view broadcast, you're also pretty slick on the mic. I appreciate the broadcast journalism, man. I listened back to it. I was like, dude, Julian's good. Like, I know you have a broadcast background from college, but what was that experience like commentating a couple fights? Well, it was once. Well, one, I want to say thank you for that because it was a very, it was very fun to do, and it's something I look forward to, and I just like the idea of doing it because, like, I did it in college, yeah, and stuff like that, and did mock, uh, mock broadcast, mock different things, and then actually a couple sporting events. So I had nice. a little bit of experience. But that was my first time doing something of that magnitude. And it even doing anything like that since college, too, which has been a few years. So it was nice to be back in that background from an analytical standpoint, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, give some knowledge on, like, what I see as, like, an athlete. And, you know, having Luke, who's knowledgeable and can really, you know, run the show between the, the three of us when I was doing it, and Cool, who is knowledgeable as well, you know right. what I mean? It was just cool, and I know him personally. So it was cool to better go up there and speak. And it was on some good fighters, too. Really good fights. I so tried to like, give you good fights. I, oh, you, gave, you arguably <laughs> gave me the two best. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Two of the best. Yeah, you know? So sure. it was it was easy to do when you have athletes that, one, know what they're doing and were, like, composing there and going hard and stuff like that. And then it was just a fun time to be in that environment because, you know, I went to school for that. And I genuinely do like doing that as well. Like, I think it's fun speaking on that. You know, That's I mean, sweet. Speaking on sports, broad, uh, commentating and stuff like that. Nice. Well, if you want to do it again, man, we'll run it back. Oh, get you another man. fight Anytime. or two for sure. Yeah. <laughs> While that bicep continues to heal. Oh, yeah. I'd rather see you inside the cage, full disclosure. But if you can't fight, then for sure, commentating is a good second place. I appreciate I like that. that. Yeah, dude. And Bobby Murder did a great job, too. And so did Edwin. Like, all you Matt Factory guys asking us to commentate, like, that's cool for us. Obviously, like, I don't want this to be an invitation for everybody. Hey. Like we can't, we can't just get everybody. <laughs> Get my boy Hunter. Yeah, up. <laughs> yeah. Like we would love for that, but it's just not realistic. But it's cool for the people who have had a chance to do it. You guys have all done a really good job, Bobby. I knew Bobby was going to be good, and I knew Edwin was going to be super relaxed and fun. Mm-hmm. But and it was kind of exactly what I expect. Like Edwin, you could tell is just having fun with it, like with having the a good time. Yeah, yeah, ad- super, a little bit of ad libs, exactly. You know yeah. <laughs> but Bobby was like breaking things down and almost calling things before they happen. You can just tell his fight IQ is crazy, extremely high. Yeah, yeah. he he's nuts, and that's again another benefit of you being at the mat factor like you he just got guys so like much this. when right. it comes to kickboxing i'm sure so much i'm sure it cracked me up i gotta say i was in the mat factory one day and and bobby i don't think he fought chance yet for us i think he was like two and oh or three and oh at the time and I, I don't know why that's so funny to me but like he's this kickboxer right not much grappling background and i hadn't really seen him at the mat factory ever before i knew he was working at the mat factory but i went in he's wearing like sweatpants with a t-shirt tucked in and it was like the classic wrestling room look like he just looked like he belonged in a wrestling room and it just cracked me up for whatever reason i'm like look at this like isaac's turning this guy into a wrestler before Uh, my eyes yeah 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 he definitely like said earlier has come a long way with that and it's really cool to see because like his 
mentality has stayed the same, but like his mentality as far as how he uses his his talents now is different because he knows like <clears throat> it almost opens up his striking so much more now because like when you do sparring like in the room and stuff like that and just watch him, it opens up his striking so much more now. So true. That he's confident that he can throw a leg kick and not worry about someone shooting for a takedown immediately or he can you know do a little bit more risky mm-hmm. uh combinations try to get in the pocket maybe throw three to five punches you know what i mean without having the fear of oh this guy's close and might try to get underneath me because now it's like it opens up a striking so much more of his grappling being that good yep because it's like i'm just waiting to see like even in his next fight or whenever it is like for him just to you know, faint, faint, shoot a takedown because his grappling is good. Yeah. And it's like when you're putting in the hours he's putting in and when you're putting in the hours so closely together, it's like because he's been here for not that long. Right. A little over a year, I want to say. Yeah, I think so. But it's like he's in the room every day and he's in our room and he's somewhere else getting good work with another coach. And mm-hmm. it's like his grappling has just gotten so much better, submission threats and stuff like that to the point to where it'll open up his kickboxing. Right. Like, we've seen him in the cage do good, do well and stuff like that. And then once you get to the pro level, you throw in those head kicks, those question marks, those teeps to the face, throw in mm-hmm. those more dangerous, like, you know, uh, moves that he can do. Fight finishing techniques. Yeah, yeah right. he doesn't have to be weary of, like, oh, this guy's just going to take me down. Because yep. he's used to going against high-level grapplers That's day awesome. in and day out. And in the beginning, it was rough for him. Like, it's I'm rough sure. for anyone. It I'm was. Sure, like, yeah. He's a kickboxer, and they're looking at him like, you know, he's a fighter, and he's fresh meat in the, mm-hmm. in the grappling, like in mm-hmm. grappling terms. It's like, okay, like, you might be a good kickboxer MMA, but I wrestled, My world once I've we wrestled hit the for mat. however yeah. long, you know what I mean? So they yep. try to take it to him, and in the beginning, you know, held his own. It was hard for him, but now it's like he's really showing that, like, hey— is he he got any? I know he's from. He's coming down from Canada by way of Afghanistan or Russia. But he's got some college. But he's got any college eligibility? Because that boy can wrestle. You know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah, boy can awesome. wrestle. Yeah, that's hilarious. And shout out to him, man. He has a. Is that a title fight he has coming up? November twenty third. It is. Yeah. yeah. So if you guys want to watch Bobby Murder, check that out. November twenty third for uh, Bizarro Promotions. I think. I believe so. Yeah. Not us, unfortunately. But maybe maybe pro debut something after. We 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 love getting Bobby Murder in that cage, man. Obviously, I was. Telling Siebert, and you certainly fall in that category, like, it's such an honor for us, man, just to have these high-level fighters in the area fight for us and get them in the cage because, like, I know all you guys are going to go do bigger and better things. And Ryan talks about it all the time, too. Like, sending Kama to the UFC, is that's that's the biggest compliment that we could ever have mm-hmm. is when our champion goes on, John DeJesus, goes on to Bellator right after getting our belt. Ethan now waiting on that call-up to Bellator UFC and might, might get it. So... Everybody thinks we want to be selfish and just like keep you guys for ourselves. Like that's literally not what we want. What we want for Pittsburgh MMA to grow is for people to go take that next step. Like go spread your wings. We when we give you a pro belt, we don't want you to defend it. We hope that that tells the UFC like come get this guy. He's two four sevens pro champ. He's ready to go. Mm-hmm. That's what we want it to be. And then the more people we get like that the more we'll see new fresh meat, like you said, get new people in, keep growing the sport. Like, dude, that's our goal. So for somebody like Bobby Murda, not fighting for us, but like I want you guys to go support him and go watch that fight because he's the next guy from this area that is doing the damn thing. Like right. go, you have to support it and you can't be selfish about it. That I mean, it's big to me because I see that all the time where promotions don't want to even acknowledge another fight happening because it's your competition. It's like, dude, we're 
we're not competition. Like we're all in this together and there's room for all of us to win. So that's how I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with, I feel like with 247, you guys have done a really good job of bringing the quality of the promotion to where it's like you said, if you're successful on this platform with the matchmaking of tougher fights, that you are ready to take that next step. And like you said, there's been many fighters who have like Kama, uh, John De Jesus. you got, uh, like you said, Ethan Goss waiting in the right there, you know, waiting yeah. to see what's up with him. And then more coming through the ranks for 247. <laughs> And it's like the quality, so it, it shows, you know what I mean? Like in the quality of the promotion that like guys aren't here and there are other promotions I can mention, but I won't who, you know, you fight people who aren't any good and you stack up your record and then it's like, you know, you have so many wins in that promotion, you have a belt, but it's like, no one's really looking at you because who have you fought? Right. Uh, with your promotion, you know, you guys are giving people at least harder tests than other promotions would. So it adds on to the quality, the value of like winning a 247 belt, winning in the organization. Nice. Well, thanks, man. I'm glad you recognize that, too, because that's what we're trying to do. Like, even the amateur belt. We want the amateur belt to mean you're ready to go pro. Right. And we don't want to just hand out. A lot of promotions will create an amateur title fight to sell tickets. Like, so oh, someone, it's a title fight. Have you won your last two fights? You can fight for a belt. Exactly. Right? I mean, we have that part. Like, we will not give you a title shot off a loss. It's We don't do it. We see other promotions do it all the time, and it's like, how's that work? Like, how's he yeah. title worthy? You know what I mean? Right. They're yeah, just 100%. doing it to sell tickets, but we want to make fights that make sense. So there was actually a, I forget if it was bit B13 maybe, the blue corner like dominated the red corner that night. So people always think like we're trying to set up Pittsburgh to win. That's not the case. We were setting up fair fights. Like the yeah. out-of-towners dominated that night yeah. by and large. So that's good though because now the Pittsburgh fighters will go back to the drawing board, figure out what they need to work on, come back better fighters. If we're not getting better, like what are we doing here? Right. Yeah. Right, and with no other promotion in Pittsburgh and you guys being here really helps like everyone be like, okay, we have somewhere where we can fight at home. Because I do feel like, I don't necessarily think that there were a drop-off in fighters, but I think there was a drop-off in as many of the fighters like actively fighting. Because 1, they, they had to go to Cleveland, yep. they had to go up to Erie, had to go to the east side of Pennsylvania, had to go down to West Virginia or something. Yep. And I feel like with it being here, it's having fighters being like, okay, there's something here. Like I could fight in front of my friends and family in two months you yep. know what i mean like yep. so many times a year so i feel like it's definitely raised the overall like high tide rises all boats like i yep. feel like it's helped everyone with the martial arts and the gyms and stuff like that become more competitive and at least i like the gyms going against other gyms like mm -hmm. locally i know a lot of other people are whatever i love the cross training as well but there's a time and place for it you know what i mean at least i think so i like you know showing who's the best in your area, it's your weight class. I like that. That's it's why important, I yeah. to whoop Albright's ass. But you know, <laughs> we'll have to see if we can get that crack at the You'd pro never level, know. though. That might be nice. Dude, that's a nice fight. He I like to that. make a pro day. Dude, I'm down for me. that, too. I think he's 3-3 three and three now. He's, he qualifies for pro in PA, yeah. so maybe. Maybe. Could be something just there. Just, you know, just follows the storylines, you know what I mean? Yeah. Something like peeled. that. But I, I really like seeing who the top dog is in the area, and I like that there's organization here. And can pit some guys against. I know it's mostly home guys for sure. Towners, but I do like you know like guys locally like all right acknowledging each other. Like I'm gonna stay at my gym a little bit more. You know what I mean? It's exciting when we can make one of those happen, and mm -hmm. I fully understand like Matt Factory's never gonna fight Stout. Like things like that, I totally I get it, and I respect it. But it is cool when you get that rogue Pittsburgh versus Pittsburgh fight. I mean, the biggest fight in Pittsburgh MMA history was Cody Garbrandt versus Dom Mazzotta. Yeah. 
And Cody was training at Fight Club Pittsburgh at the time. Like, even though he's an Ohio boy, he was Pittsburgh. Like, he had a huge following in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, perfectly to your point, like, when you can set that up and it truly becomes who's the baddest dude in Pittsburgh, dude, that Those really transcend bananas. the fighter, too, as yeah. far as, like, regional and local fans, audience, yeah. and stuff like that who know who you are exactly. and, like, want to follow you. Because it's, like, I feel like there are some other fighters locally, you know what I mean, who get to that stage, and it's not that they don't, they deserve to be there, uh, it's just the fact that it's like, they might have a little bit more, I wouldn't say star power, but a little bit more audience, followers, mm -hmm. fans behind them, have they taken out that other guy, who's the other head honcho, but I understand, you know, Pittsburgh's not a major city, it's not like it's New York City, or right. Miami, or something, right. where there has to be so many gyms going against each other, there's only so many quality ones in the Pittsburgh sure. area, but I do like seeing like who the top dog is, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like that might come from my sports background, might not be the most martial artist. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Look right. at it, but the athlete in me says like, let's if you're see. around my Line size and you think yeah. you can take me, then let's go. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's just kind of my mentality on it, and I see where like you know what I mean. Sometimes that doesn't work, but all in all, you know, I'll fight whoever. Yeah, dude. I mean, that that's obvious for sure. Just please don't fight me. But like, for sure. You're a heavyweight now. I saw dude, that picture. Oh, dude, I'm 241. <laughs> yeah, you're a heavyweight. I was 241.4 cuz we're doing the little the Fat Mactory challenge. Uh -huh. We're doing that. So I'm getting down to 205. I've lost 8 pounds already. There you I'm go. on the you're move, gonna, dog. I'm getting lean. I'm on the I I think I'm going to be like super sexy and it's yeah. going to be I'm going to be like you're gonna I'm, stay down there. That's, what, yeah, that's exactly get, what I you said. You probably yeah. won't get north of two twenty. I'm gonna like it too much. Yeah, I'm gonna like it too much. Hopefully, my wife. Here's the funny thing. My wife likes me bigger. Like for our wedding, I weighed like one ninety. I went on. I was on keto for, and it wasn't I even for the wedding. Love the squeeze. You know? I guess see, yeah. you get it too. I, you, I, yeah, my fiance is the same way. So like, I was down to like one ninety for my wedding, and it wasn't even intentional. I didn't get skinny for the wedding or anything it was just like the phase i was in i was keto i was like all about it got down like 190 195 and she like looks at wedding pictures still she's like you're way too skinny that's not you can that's never not be that skinny yeah yeah you can never be <laughs> so now i'm like i need to get down to 205 for this challenge she's like can you gain the weight back like immediately after you weigh in <laughs> That's funny. I'm like I'm like what if That's I funny. like like what if I like it though yeah so I don't I'm torn because like she doesn't want me to be 205 she likes like 225 I'm probably thicker than I need to be right now to be fair like I got a little, got a little extra thickness you get down than to I need 205 like a normal fighter you float back to 215 you'll be good stay man. around 215 yeah, you know yeah. I mean? I'm I'm hoping we can be looking that good you got you. That's, that's a 25 pound weight difference isn't that crazy 26 you know what I mean crazy now, so. yeah I mean six like six three two fifteen that seems like ideal size oh for sure yeah yeah, yeah. maybe I'll just NFL wide out right there <laughs> yeah that's me Let's put go. me dude the Steelers could you use replace me right Claypool, now yeah. Steelers could get definitely out use me I can't run a four five eight though like. That's legit NFL receiver speed, dude. Four, five, eight. I'd say they're faster than dude, that. Like, dude, like now, but like Heinz Ward, I bet Heinz ran like. I a think that's like the exact time that he ran, if I'm not See? mistaken. Yeah. See, I, I mean, like that's not Jamar Chase, obviously, but like I love that you named him too because he's my favorite Steeler for like majority of like my childhood. I could see that. Yeah, I, I love could Heinz see that. He, he, he was oh. filthy. Oh, I mean, everybody loves him in Pittsburgh. I liked him because he was a wide receiver, caught touchdowns like everyone else, but then he played like a linebacker at wide receiver. So I was like, what's not to like about Dude. that? His block on Keith Rivers where he broke his jaw. That was my screensaver on my computer <laughs> screen for like a year. <laughs> and my so mom good. would log on and just be like, 
why? Why are <laughs> yeah. you doing this, Julian? I'd be like, what do you mean? It was Ladanian Tomlinson last year. You know, like, Literally yeah. ended Keith Rivers' career, which is unfortunate. Honestly, like even I, I don't really necessarily like seeing that. Even nowadays, and this is definitely a more modern day discussion, but like when you see guys get knocked out in football, like knocked out cold, I hate seeing it now. I, I, I never liked seeing that yeah. ever since I was young. Even growing up in a little before, like the rules change, playing before right. the rules change, I guess you could say, I never was a fan of that. Like I, I was the only person on my high school team as a senior who played both offense and defense full time. Mm. And like most of the head honchos on our team, their helmets were, you know, you know, they can get really bad chip right. pain on the front right. and stuff like that. I never had scratches on my helmet. That's all good. Growing up to the time I got older, it was just something about hitting with the head or getting hit with the head, I just was like, uh, I just don't feel like that. You can you can yeah. tackle and you can do a lot of things without using the crown of your helmet. It's hard to and watch. And when man. I see people like get taken out like that, I'm like, because that's... That's life-altering, perhaps. Yeah, because like, a yeah. helmet's going to be... Like a helmet to helmet is going to expect... And if you're not looking, <sighs> it's going to be a lot different than even Terrifying. a punch with a fist. Like, oh, that's yeah, like yeah. It's, You're talking about... At that getting, speed? At that yeah. speed, you're running full head oh. and you're lowering your head to someone it's like mm. yeah when i see that i'm just kind of like i really hope they're okay because at the end of the day it is still a sport right at the right. end of the day it's just a sp- it's mm-hmm. not just but it is a sport so it's like you don't want to see something like that where it can alter someone's physical well-being right outside of the sport exactly yeah. so that i mean that's good that you had that mentality in football but now obviously fighting Got to get hit in the head. Got to get hit in the head. Like, I I don't want to get hit in the head. How much do you practice my moves? (laughs) Yeah. How much do you focus on that? Like your mental brain health. How much of the forefront is that when you're thinking? Like sparring. Sixteen-page paper on CTE in uh, college. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. Nice for my English class. Actually, it was on a topic that you uh, like or want to explain, and mine was on CTE. That's sick. I'm pretty well versed in it. And as football terms, I was like, I'm pretty sure even though, you know, I played for so long, I made it. I've never had a concussion in football. Well, now that I've been diagnosed with, you know how that is. But mm-hmm. I've never had one. And then when it comes to MMA, I've never been, like, knocked out in training or in a fight. Like, I've been hit hard. You, sure. You're going to get hit hard in sparring or whatever. But, like, I've never been put out. And I really do try to make a note of that. Like, I want to be, from a business perspective and also from legacy, I mean, like, what do you guys want to see? You guys want to see me knock someone out. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you might have to take a couple punches to do it. I mean, you could go the Khabib route and not get touched, the Dagestani route, you know what I mean? And I love that route, too, just wrestling people. Mm-hmm. It's dominant. It's as dominant as a way you can win as there is. It's just as far as, like, entertaining value, legacy, and stuff like that. Like, I want to go out there and get knockouts. Plus, I have the ability to get knockouts as well. But you have to be—you always have to be cautious of your brain health when you're going into a fight, out of a fight. Like, that stuff I'm always monitoring, like— I don't want to get hit at all. Like, I don't mean that as in, like, I'm afraid to get hit. I'll eat that. You right. Know, like some right. chicken tenders. But. God, dude. Uh, I, could, I could murder some chicken tenders right now. I haven't had those in a while. I've been trying to eat a little cleaner. But. Same. Same. <laughs> same. I, I could. But, like, you know, I could eat some punches like a chicken tender, but I'd rather dodge them like Floyd Mayweather if I can. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be someone who's standing there getting hit because, mm-hmm. like, you know, I want to be able to play and speak eloquently to my grandchildren one day. yes and i do think of stuff like that when i see boxing is a little bit different because of the head trauma and the 10 count you know standing 10 count so you look a little bit more brain damage there but even like older mma guys 
I don't want to be that guy that's like slurring words, punch drunk when you're it's like hard to watch, 45, yeah. 50 years old. And I know that that's in, like it's inevitable for some guys if that's mm-hmm. like how you fight. But for me, I mean, if I'm getting rocked too many times to the head, I'm shooting for that takedown. Right. Like, I know that's like for most people what they're going to do anyway. But I do, you know, when you see fighters getting knocked out and then they had that a study, I don't know who it was by recently, but they did like on fighters that once they get knocked out once. How much how easier. It just keeps yep. happening. Yep. It just keeps happening. I saw that too. And I'm just, you know, you got you always got to be cautious of that. You don't want to eat big shots at all. You don't want to <clears throat> take a shin bone. You don't want to take an elbow. You don't want to take a bomb to the face. You know what I mean? You want to be, that's why you have to have your technique good. And mm-hmm. if it's not, I mean... It, it's a very dangerous sport at the end of the day. It's fun to win, and if you lose and it's not that bad, then it's okay like yeah. from a physical standpoint. Mm-hmm. But you can get beaten up pretty bad before a fight is ended in MMA, and that can literally be life-altering just from one fight. Right. So you always have to be like cautious of that, and that's why hands up, head movement, feints. Like you have to know what you're doing when you get out there. And that's like bringing it back to the beginning and when we were talking, that's kind of where I'm at right now with the whole where do I go through next and making sure I'm taking the right steps because I want to make sure that my skills are appropriate with the steps I'm taking. I mean, nice. I want the biggest fights I can get. Of course, I want to climb the ladder as quick as possible. I also want to do it smart. I realize it's a business. I realize mm-hmm. there's a lot of factors that go into it than just getting into the cage. Right. And right. Once and like we were saying, like with your head and stuff like that, there are. I mean, you get knocked out. When can you fight again? Six months after yeah. that. Like that's also something that, from a business standpoint, you look at the health standpoint of okay, you might be messed up at your get grandchildren's birthday party, can't talk right. Mm. Then you look at the business aspect. Like when Kamaru Usman talks about his first, his uh, second fight that he lost, and how yep. the only reason why he tapped. It's because he knew that he wouldn't be able to fight for so long and he needed to make money. Right. You also have to think about stuff like that when you're fighting. Like, you can't just have to, yeah. let yourself go out or you can't just get bombed in the face and think that that's going to be acceptable if you want to make it a career. Yeah. I mean, you get a literal suspension from the state. Like, I love that. I made a post about that recently because... About Serb. Yeah, dude. And, and I appreciate <clears throat> Serb for that, man. Like, that's a huge win for Serb and for the state of Pennsylvania, for the sport of mixed martial arts. Like, I wrote about it as well, like... Pat Fryermuth got knocked out cold and was in talks to play. He They eventually did. Like, he didn't play the following week. He had a week off and then came back two weeks later. But, like, that's still probably too soon, man. Like Yeah, concussion protocol at the collegiate level wouldn't even let you get back that fast. You're yeah. taking tests for, like, the first 10 days and then they're making a decision on if you can play in that third game, maybe. It's, so in that There's a lot of learning. You know, I feel like we're going to look back in 50 years and be like, oof. Like we we messed that one up, guys. Like, yeah. so we sent some guys out there. I mean, Tua obviously being the most obvious, like recognizable, notable example of late. Like that was just terrifying. That's exactly what you don't want to see. And as much as people want to say that it's like both on Tua and the medical staff, like you have to put more of that in the medical staff because if you, that's your position is to give advice to these athletes, and that's what you have to do is give them proper advice because an athlete's going to be an athlete. Yep. Fighter's going to be a fighter. Yep. Like they're good to get. They're going to tell if, you they're good to go. If I'm yeah. hurt. You know what I mean? But it's not something bad. I'm going to get into the cage. Like, no fighter's healthy getting out right, there. Like, when I right. played football, like, you're never 100%, especially halfway going through the season and stuff like that. Like, your body's banged up. You're going to want to get back on the field, take yep. that next play, even if, like, everything your body's telling you, like, you're messed up. You need to go to the sideline. An athlete's going to be an athlete. And I know there has to be some on two as well and other guys, like, <clears throat> to monitor themselves. But as far as, like, the professionals, like, I think that they got to do – 
a better job with that because they also know that an yeah. athlete's going to be an athlete. I totally agree. And I think I heard Daniel Cormier talk about it one time, and it was a really good way to put it. He he gave this speech about are you hurt or are you injured? There's a difference between being hurt and being injured. So you need to know when you're injured because at that point you're just hurting yourself. Like there's no sense <clears throat> in pushing through a legitimate injury. You're doing yourself a disservice. Now, if you're just hurt and like, you can gut it out. You can heart it out. Like, by all means, right. be the athlete. But yeah, man, it's an interesting discussion. I'm glad that you're so well versed. I, I had no idea you wrote a 16 page paper on the topic. Yeah, you know, it was something that I was interested in at the time. It was around that time. Uh, what was that? The concussion, the movie. Yeah, yeah. Smith Will Smith based around yeah, uh, sure. Pittsburgh Steelers all yep. the time. Mike Webster. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and um, I remember watching that movie, and it was. Uh, during the semester, I had that class, and then a couple weeks later, by the time we got to that, I was like, well, just watched the movie, got some information on it. I am currently a football player. It yeah. intrigues me, you know, because sure. at that point in time, I'm still wanting to make it to CFL Arena, NFL if I'm lucky, or something like yeah, that. Like, you're still grinding towards football mm -hmm. dreams, so when you're interested in something like that, I really want to take a look into it, because, like, it's, I mean, it's your brain health. Mm -hmm. And some people, you know, that compete are like, oh, it's whatever, I'll deal with it when I have to deal with it. But if you, you know, can acknowledge it at a younger age, maybe change the way you play the game, the sport, you know what I mean? Right. It can really help preserve you in those longer years when, like, the hard work, the money you get, the legacy you leave, that's time for you to enjoy it. And it's like your whole life went into that, and now you're kind of like in the floating lands where you don't even know where you're at half the time. And that's a scary thing. It's awful, man. It's, it really is terrifying to think of. I'm glad you're up on it, man. And I know like Isaac and everybody you're training with, I'm sure it takes care of you guys when those kind of things happen. So good to know you're in good hands, man, because you're obviously a guy that has a ton of potential. Like we're excited, whether it's grappling, boxing, MMA, whatever it is, like we're going to support you in your journey, man. You're an exciting piece of the Pittsburgh MMA puzzle right now for sure. So I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Th thanks for coming in. I hope you like the studio. And I love it, man. I do want to say on the podcast that, or yeah, on the podcast that this is a very beautiful setup. <laughs> thanks, I really man. like it, man. Thanks, dude. We'll get get some more. Yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> get some more of your guys in here, man. Keep the keep the. It's hard for me not to say Fat Mactory now because we were talking about that. The challenge. Like, yeah. Get some more Matt Factory. Introducing guys in out, here. Of fat Mactory. out of the Fat Out of the Fat Mactory. Yeah. But that's good, man. I'm glad you could come in, you know, after work, like a G. Just you strolled know. in right after work and do an awesome discussion. In, you know, it never ends. For sure, man. Well, we definitely appreciate it, and we look forward to seeing you back in there. Maybe on commentary, at least. Yeah, we'll I, get could, you back I in could there definitely. Sure. December? You want to do a fight in December? Oh, well, I'd love Make to it do official that. right now? Yeah, I'll definitely do that. So I won't be at a fight then, you know, yeah. obviously, but I'll... That's why I said it. I'll, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be there either which way. You know, I'm going to You're fight, always there so regardless. Like, I think you actually bought a ticket for the last one, didn't you? My fiance. Okay, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I was going to sneak her in, but I Yeah, <laughs> nah, man, we proceed. Yeah. And that's another perfect example of like me telling you to go support Bobby Murda for a different promotion. Like, go do that. Mm -hmm. You buying a ticket for your fiance is a great point. Like, I don't know if I should even say this on the air because I don't want Ryan to get heat for it, but like... We all buy tickets to this. Like, obviously, I don't buy a ticket to the show with the lanyard and everything now. But, like, for my family and my wife, like, we buy their tickets still. That's how local MMA survives and right, thrives. Like, right. we can't just let everybody who no. wants a free ticket yeah, in. And I, and I want to, yeah. you know what I mean? I yeah, see, so, like, that mentality means a lot. But we get guys all the time, as I'm sure you can imagine. Oh, can you get my cousin in, my, my girlfriend in? Can you get them in? It's like, there are tickets available. 
they yeah, can get in if like they buy if, one. <laughs> if you want to keep the promotion alive, like it has yeah. to that. Do you want us to have revenue. fights or yeah. do you want to just like have a party and then this is our last a show? A parking ever. lot fight. You know right. I mean? like, exactly. oh, you know, since everyone's coming in for free, we're just moving out to the parking exactly. lot. Exactly. Which, uh, which business, man. That's how it's got to be for 100%. now. Like someday, obviously, we want to grow to the point where we can comp more tickets. That would be great. Yeah. Not there yet, but we're getting there, brother. Thanks to people like you, a lot of your Matt Factory teammates. So let's do we it, We love man. the support. Hell yeah. Well, thanks for coming in, brother. This no doubt, killer. brother. I appreciate you for having me. Yeah, play the music. We don't have music, but play it. <laughs>